This is your host of the Soul Talk Podcast, episode 14. Been a little bit since we've had a guest on, but uh, many more are coming. Funny enough, here with another David. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. So, for anyone who doesn't know you, tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, so, I am the host cousin. I'm a student at Cal Poly Slow, a business major. I'm uh, into basketball a little bit, some some sneakers, music, you know, the whole thing. We'll get into all those different things, but like you said, first family-related guest, which is one for the books. So, anyways, summer's here, school's out. Let's talk a little bit about school, though. Like, many, you just got back from college. A lot of people are in school far from home. I know you weren't too far, but how was that experience just being away from home and that aspect of it, and then we'll go more on to the specifics about what life is like out there, if you wouldn't mind sharing. So being away from home was honestly great. I wasn't too far, like you said, about three hours. Perfect distance from home. Still like driving distance, but a good amount of distance from my parents, which is good independence-wise. I had to be my own person. I feel like dorm life was very beneficial to me. It's not like high school where you just go home after school instead you're already on campus and you you're just surrounded by your friends all the time like you wake up you're, you see your friends you go to sleep you see your friends for sure so the freedom is probably the biggest thing for you. freedom probably is the biggest thing yeah okay but what's your favorite thing about the school if you had to pick one whether it be like the campus people professors <laughs> so i'd definitely say the people because growing up in la i feel like there's a lot of interesting personalities some fake personalities one would say for sure so when i first came to sloan i met all these people from all over the country some out of the country there was a lot of nice people and at first i thought they were putting up a front but it turns out that there are actually genuine people in the world so that was interesting to see i feel like the friends i've gained in this year i'll definitely have for the rest of college for sure and uh yeah if there's any city that you know has fake people, I'm sure people can attest to LA being one of those cities. So I understand that completely. But the school you go to is diverse, right? Like a lot of different ethnicities, cultures. That is so far from the truth. Really? We are what is known as a PWI, predominantly white institute. <laughs> oh my God. That is really? the, yeah, it's what we're referred to as. It's about, I think, 90% white actually, or something around that. I'm sure the numbers are going down, but. Sure, diverse. But not everybody's from LA, like that's what not everyone's. Yeah, there's a lot of Bay Area, a lot of LA, a lot of Seattle, and then you have your people from out of state. I mean, farther out of state. For sure. And for you going to the school, I'm sure one of the prime things of just going to or picking that school rather was because you know you're still in California, good weather, kind of secluded, right? The school itself, or how would you? Yeah, I'd it? say. I mean, the town is a shithole. Whether you is that am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing really going on. I feel like off campus, there's, I mean, nature-wise, it's good, but like nightlife-wise, there's small like little downtown area, but everything is closed by eight p.m. Like the city goes to sleep at eight. There's nothing really to do. For sure. So you don't like that it's like secluded from everything, pretty much on the outside. Yeah, not too much because it's just a huge culture difference than than here. For sure. Because for me, I can definitely get tired of living in the city. I feel like it's too hectic sometimes but you know it would be nice to just go away for a long period of time but obviously that's a perspective from the outside right. out truly you did it so yeah after being there for a year i'm, I'm glad to be back in LA yeah. for the summer for sure and that kind of rolls off my next question you know there's been like this genre or question going around i guess like what what's considered la so i'm curious to know what's your perspective or what do you think is like the difference of where like you know people live in la obviously you come from like the valley side so right. you consider yourself from LA or what do you think of like the real LA Hollywood area in comparison I mean it really depends who you're talking to if I'm talking to someone from the Bay Area at school I would say I'm from LA but obviously here I'd just say I'm from the valley but where I live it's like border of city and valley like I'm close to the city where yeah. where you are you're For definitely sure. part of the city yeah I'm part of the city but you know one thing I tell people if anybody asks me is like there's not really like a culture here everything is so diverse like it's not really you know you can't like say something like about it like everybody knows Hollywood it's just a lot of people you know movie industry a lot of famous people but you know for a kid growing up I don't know if that's the best thing I know 
in the valley side there's a little bit more culture in that aspect so if anybody asked you what is north hollywood or what is the valley side what does that say is like the vibe out there i mean valley's the valley the city's the city i feel like there's more well the valley's definitely more homey environment than the city where it's just super hectic for sure i feel like the street that i live on now it's a nice little homey street that you'd see in a in a movie maybe yeah just, like, walk outside like a little cul-de-sac dogs yeah dogs walking sure. around everywhere sat on the street i mean 100 it's a cool area for sure and i feel like you know obviously being your cousin is just like going from the city to the valley it's not really like you know that big of a deal but you know the difference is definitely felt like you know it's a lot more chill out in north hollywood and i feel like the community you're raised in like builds you a lot like i can definitely see that you're like a lot chiller of a person than maybe somebody in, in, in LA that makes it in like the heart of LA but uh, yeah I mean you went to school out there so what would you say is like you know what's what's the vibe in, in, in the school system where, where you where you went or is there any like major takeaways that you had from like that middle school to so I feel like an issue I've always had so I went to two different elementary schools and then middle school and high school where every time I moved schools I didn't know anybody really so I feel like how many so you went to two elementary schools two elementary schools one like right by my house and then I went to Wonderland like which is like up up in the hills so I didn't really know anyone after that switch and then everyone that went to that elementary school was from the city so when I went to middle school in the valley I didn't know anyone and then high school I went even deeper in the valley like another 30 minutes away from my house so I feel like in every place I was a bit nervous to meet new people, and I wasn't sure, like, how it would be socially. But, I mean, I ended up making my group of friends at every school, and it worked out. For sure. And it's funny, because, you know, I knew that you went to different schools, but, like, I didn't really process it, because it's the same thing with me, and I can definitely attest to, like, you know, seeing different types of people in different plot of, of areas. You know, people are just different, like, all around. So would you say that, like... You know, you you maybe understand, like, how to talk to people or how to be around people, how to make, like you were saying, how to make new friends, maybe better than the average person that sticks around their, their plot of land. Yeah, I feel like anytime I go to a new place, my concern is that I that I can't be that person and make new friends. But, I mean, I, I always end up making the friends, so it's I guess sure. I do have that skill. For sure. So, I mean, in college, I'm sure it's a, it's a lot easier because just being around that place all 24 7 basically right so you, i mean you're in my dorm alone there's 200 people so you meet all of those people and then see so yeah, i i joined a, a frat a fraternity as they call it and that's another outlet to meeting new people you play basketball you meet new people it's i mean i met plenty of great people at college for sure i mean i, I wish i could say the same but it's a little different for me um but yeah i mean i don't know how much you could talk about the fraternity but is there anything you'd like to mention about that side of things? Or yeah. what do you do? What What do you do in a in a daily basis of school other than like the average? So, well, what I can say about the frat, the fraternity, gotta correct myself. I think I don't know. People take it seriously. Well, the I going into college, I didn't I didn't think I would join that that life. But really, you didn't think I I didn't want to. I wasn't even gonna go out to rush. But say the one I joined is a is a Jewish one, and I feel like. I don't know. I've always been able to get along with that community way easier than anyone else because I'm also Jewish. It's just an easier connection to be made, I feel like. And obviously everyone there is super academically driven, super like high business goals. And I feel like it's just a good community to be surrounded by. Everyone has their own startup. When you're out of college, it's good connections. That, that was really my main method of thinking, not just to party every day. For sure. And it's interesting, right? Because your school, again, is secluded out of everything. So it's like people don't have anything else other to do than school. And then, you know, then sparks the interest of maybe, you know, building their own business, you know, whether that be a startup or joining a company. So, you know, what what are they doing out there? What are you saying? Things are like interested in and maybe joining and stuff like that. Or how did like fraternity even come about? Because you know, you you weren't. You said you weren't interested in it. But so how did that? Yeah, I I wasn't going to. And then there was like a a rush event where all the fraternities came out to like the the main lawn at our school and would like advertise their thing like events. Like hustle to get to join for you to join their frat. Right? Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, we do pay our dues. I guess they need to recruit new members. But I mean, like with clipboards and like they're like, yo. Yeah, they have their own booth. They have their own little little cards to give out. But essentially, I had a class that was right outside there. I walked out of the class. This little event was happening. My roommate was there, and he's like, yo, like just come say hello, whatever. I was like, okay, sure. So I walked up to to the one that I'm in now. It's the only one I actually talked to. Interesting. And. I mean, I just didn't get the vibe at all that it was, like, super frat. Mm-hmm. It was like I was having genuine conversations with people. They weren't, like, cookie cutters. And instantly, like, I, I wanted to be a part of it. I went to the Rush events. I talked to everyone. And it was, just, I don't know, super cool meeting all these new people that we share, like, the same goals, the same interest. I mean, it sounds super easy, what you're saying. But if I know anything about getting into a fraternity... That that process might be super difficult. One might one might say no. Not sure what you're talking about. I don't know. Oh, you can't. You can't. Speak. I didn't mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Could I could? But I, I mean, can't. I didn't for sure. So, anyways, I mean, let's say one thing I can say. We're gonna go all the way back. I don't know if you know, but at a young age, uh, your involvement with basketball definitely sparked my interest in it. Did it. Yeah, so, you know, going to your cousin's house on family gatherings, like, you know, any other family was where that all started. But when did you gain an interest in the game? 100% because of Kobe Bryant. I feel like my my dad was always watching basketball on our TV. I mean, when I was super little, I was obviously walking past it thinking nothing of it. But one time I I just sat down with my dad and watched it and the way he played, it was super inspiring to me. It's definitely why I started. I think I was... Probably five or six years old when I actually started playing like at my local rec center. So you started watching before then, you're saying? Or? I think I started playing pretty soon after I started watching. So you had like the toddler basketball hoop and oh, like I definitely the had the toddler yeah. basketball. Yeah, that was some brainwashing. I, I definitely didn't ask for that, but it was just put there for me. <laughs> yeah, so Kobe is obviously very near and dear to to all of us in LA. But you know, I actually come from the other side. In terms of watching basketball, I guess your kind of interest in basketball kind of washed on to me, but that was until, you know, maybe I was, uh, you know, a little bit older. I was always interested in basketball, but I didn't start playing until, again, older. But you said you started watching Kobe Little, and I can only imagine, like, you know, just seeing him in his prime. I only got to see him, let's say, like, post his, you know, prime yeah. years. I just distinctly remember him winning championships back-to-back. Yeah. So that was my, like, key sure. memory. First game. What was, do you know what your first game was? First game, it was Lakers-Rockets when Yao Ming was still playing, which means it had to have been 2008, 2009. Crazy. And recently, so I remember I went to a game maybe that season or the season after. It was against the Nuggets, and I remember Chauncey Billups going off. Like, he had a crazy game. I got a stuffed animal, named him Chauncey, just (laughs) because I just remember how great Chauncey Billups was that night. And then a I want to say, like, about a week ago, I just saw a picture of, like, Chauncey Billups in a Nuggets jersey. And I, like, started Googling, like, I tried to find this game that I went to. And I found out that that was Chauncey Billups' career high. Oh, wow. His whole career, yeah, 39 Did points. they end up winning that game? Or? The Nuggets won that game. Wow. Billups had So your first game. game, Lakers don't win. That was the second one. The first oh, one was first... Rockets. The, oh, they okay. So game. they won that game. But Yao Ming, shit, man. If only I got to see him. Like, that's crazy. I just remember the first game I went to, I think I spent more time looking at the Jumbotron than I did the actual court. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's everyone's natural instinct. For sure. I mean, there's so much entertainment in today's basketball game. It's crazy. So, I mean, I, I can understand that. But, man, Chauncey Billups, I mean, I know he played for the Clippers, too. Obviously, I'm a, yeah. I'm a Clippers fan. Or I was a Clippers fan back then. So Was? And, what, are, what are you now? Uh, I'm not a fan of anybody, I don't think. I mean, if you ask me what my favorite team to watch, I'd say, like, the Timberwolves, because I like D'Lo. That's probably my favorite player to watch right now. But, you know, I grew up watching Chris Paul, so that was my Clippers were my favorite team, and then obviously LeBron. But yeah. See, like you, I also switched for my favorite team. Yeah, yeah. I was a Laker fan my whole life, and then LeBron James came <laughs> to the Lakers, and I just, I just had to switch teams because... Here's how it is. The Lakers fan base, as as is, was a super toxic fan base. And then LeBron comes with his toxic fan base. And then together, it just forms this group that just should not be a thing. It's just funny. Like, a lot of people are not for LeBron. Like, I remember when he first came here, there was a lot of, like... Like, you know, obviously most people want him here. 
but there was a lot of backlash for him coming here. Like, I feel like I remember there was like murals being like tarnished because of like LeBron or something like that. Like, people were not yeah. so accepting of the dude. And then now, obviously, with their performance, I feel like, you know, it all kind of makes sense. He came now. here to be a movie star, not a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care anymore. I mean, I love LeBron, but, you know, I feel like, you know, one dude can only do so much. I mean, I think, you know, maybe this year was more of a of a team problem than it was a, a player problem. So or, it was a Russell Westbrook problem. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, maybe. actually, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. So we'll get into more of your favorite teams. Let's go on to back to what we we're talking about with schools. Like I said, we went to separate schools and we're always like not too close to each other, you know, separate teams, separate camps. So I'm curious to know what your opinion on school is, you know, more specifically how it's structured and things like that. I mean, I was never super into it. Like I wanted to have my good grades, but I also put in, I want to say, minimal effort throughout high school, which is kind of biting me in the butt in college because I actually have to study there and I have no study habits. But overall, I feel like it was always set up pretty easy. I don't I don't think I ever really needed to like apply myself too much schooling system. But would you say that like comes easy to you cuz that's just kind of like I I guess I don't want to like just for context. Like I remember going to your house and you know, you had like, you know, all the accolades from school and like basketball, like all the trophies and everything. Trophies. So it's like you def- you definitely could be described as one of those kids that was like really good at school, I think. But like you're saying, maybe, you took you maybe. you put in minimal effort, so you know, would I mean, you, you wouldn't say that it came naturally to I you. I think or? elementary, middle school, I did bare minimum, got straight A's. High school, I did pretty much bare minimum, but I didn't do as well because obviously, with like AP class and college level courses, you can't succeed as easy. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, I still pass most of my AP tests that way. For sure. And it's not that, like, you don't want to be, like, or excel in your classes. It's either, like, it's too difficult or it's, like, like why? What's the point, right? I feel like you know, I just I just had a lack of interest. Right, exactly. Not not because of the school, but, like, not because of, like, what I'm learning, but how it was taught to me. For sure. Like, in, in a more boring way, right? Like, you yeah, got to sit exactly. down, you got to read the book. Yeah. There's not a lot like of creativity in that. The best yeah. teachers I had in, in high school, I was eager to learn I was eager to do the outside reading if it was taught to me in an interesting way I feel like in high school I just I wouldn't want to apply myself if I wasn't interested or like engaged while it was being taught to me for sure but most like teachers right like they don't teach in an interesting way right yeah in my experience I feel like it's only history teachers that that really teach it in an interesting way it's definitely always been my favorite subject and it's definitely because of the teachers I've had do you take anything away from high school whether it be like Maybe there's something a teacher said. I, I don't think there was like one specific moment that really translated too well. I feel like college and high school are very d- different, but I still had like my, my two teachers, like I still talk to two teachers today. Crazy, right? Right, yeah. I, I, went to, I went to Korean barbecue with my calculus teacher before I went off to college. We were there for like four hours. That's so dope to me because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, obviously, a lot of people don't have that type of connection yeah. with teachers, but at the end of the day, teachers are, are people too, right? Like exactly, you can, you can yeah. maintain a relationship if you have similar interests. In, yeah, in like I'll be like honest, I, I didn't really do that well in this class, but he was, he was a hustler. Like he was reselling shoes, he was doing all this stuff, and I feel like I really related to him. He's like one of those people that if you take everything away from them, they'll still find a way to be successful, and that's like those are the type of people that I want to remain in contact with. Interesting. The, the biggest point I, I got away from what you just said was that you didn't do well in his class. And I feel like a lot of people, if you don't do well in a class, like people can't look at, you know, the teacher's eyes anymore. It's like, oh man, I failed in their eyes. Or it's like, worst comes to worst, like, you know, you don't pass the class or something. But it's like at the end of the day, again, they're just people, right? So it's yeah. like, you, if you can find common ground with them, that will benefit both sides. And it's like, I just feel like everywhere I've gone, it's like people are so like distant from teachers and I was very the opposite of that. I always, if if I had interest in the teacher, like I'd love to maintain a conversation with them or whatever it was. But you know, like you said, like not there's not a lot of good teachers out there. Right. Yeah. Opinion. I feel like a lot of the teachers just have a superiority complex. They love to have someone below them. But the, there's those few teachers that just just want to teach. Like they want to have a good relationship with the students, and those are the ones I resonate with most. Obviously. Hundred percent. You might see some of my teachers on here soon, but uh. That would be sick. Yeah. I mean, I actually, one teacher might be coming on soon. So, yeah, trying to get her on. 
Awesome. But uh, what what you just said sparked sparked something for this segment called quote recap. Basically, I, I give you a quote and you just tell me what you think about it. So basically, uh-huh. I don't remember exactly what it was, but a friend like tweeted something on Twitter and it went crazy. It basically said something like, "I had beef with teachers in sixth grade." Like, bro, I'm twelve or something. Yeah. So what do you think about that? I think that's hilarious because some teachers really do try to do the most. Like, they let a little 12-year-old affect their lives. Like, it's really not that deep. They take everything too personally. Yeah. And I could say, like, when I was younger, I was, I I don't know if you were, but I was definitely, you know, a kid that wanted to test boundaries and maybe... Oh, for sure. And it's like, I feel like a lot of teachers bash that instead of, like, you know, try to find, again, that common ground. Yeah. Going off of that, I'm really curious to know, favorite childhood movie, cartoon? Oh, Karate Kid with Jaden Smith, wow. the newer one. I would not think. See, every time I ask this question to my guest, I'm I'm, I'm surprised because he was great. It was like that last like thirty minutes, just the tournament scenes, insane. Jackie Chan too. It was a great movie. I I really enjoyed it. I I'd still watch it today. For sure, hundred percent. I do want to rewatch that, but it's crazy that Jaden Smith was that young in that movie, and he was really good. I, I remember. Right. So, any, like, major takeaways from that movie in particular? I mean, I feel like Jaden Smith in that movie, he had to overcome a lot of adversity. That's that's really it. You just always have to keep your head up and don't let things affect you. For sure. And I, going off of, like, Kobe, I, I could... Right, yeah, I was, I was really close to just mentioning that Mamba mentality right there. Right. Yeah, okay, so that's, like, a, that's more of a movie than any cartoon. I never watched cartoons as a kid. Really? I just hated... I, I just always thought I was so above cartoons. Like, I thought cartoons were so childish, and I didn't really want to... Wow. So, like, not, nothing? like I feel like I watched, like, a couple episodes of Spongebob, maybe, but overall, I never, like, watched through a cartoon ever. Maybe it's, like, a, like a, anim- like a cartoon movie, like Cars or anything like that, Toy Story. I mean, Toy Story is a banger. <laughs> it is a banger. The last one wasn't good, but I was also, like, 17 at the time. I can't really think of a... No, I can't think of a cartoon movie, really. Oh, I remember what I was going to say about Karate Kid. Mm. So, I remember you used to do karate. I did. So, maybe that also was in love for, for that movie. That might be a, an aspect of it. But I was never... No, I'd say I was good at it at some point. I was never super into it. Obviously, yeah. when I hit high school, I didn't find time for it. You did it for a long time, though. I did it... Yeah, I also started when I was five. I went till high school. But now I feel like the sport I watch most other than basketball is mixed martial arts. So right. Like see? I want to get back into it. That's really, I feel like combat sports has always been a, a big part of my interest. Bro, we might have to we might have to get into boxing. I'm, I got into boxing yeah, recently. Boxing. But yeah, see, I didn't even think about that. You're like you watch. I know you watch a lot of MMA. Yeah. Who's your favorite boxer? Boxer Lomachenko, but I don't watch boxing that much. I feel like it's less interesting than MMA because MMA has so many more aspects. Like you have. You have your punching, you have your kicking, you have your grappling, your jiu-jitsu. There's, there's just so many more aspects to it. Because in boxing, you can only hit the head or the body. MMA, you have to watch out for everything from all angles, really. And what do you think about, like, it's, it's been getting a lot of, like, traction recently as a sport overall. Just whole combat scene in terms of, you know, whether it be MMA, you know, all the different rings. I feel like it's too complicated for the average person. You know, you right. got the octagon, you got... All these other fucking shapes. It's like, yeah. what do you what do you think about the scene there? You, you I mean, find it interesting. The only reason I got onto this the scene mm-hmm. is because of Dana White. I mean, Dana White is COVID happened, all the sports leagues shut down, and Dana White's like, nah, I'm not shutting down. Like, I'm gonna keep this going. Power move. Right? The only reason I well, I got into UFC January of last year. Mm-hmm. It was like an ABC card. It was happening in in Abu Dhabi. It was Fight Island. And there was no other sports on in me. Like, I watch every sport. And if there's a sport on during COVID, I'm going to watch it. And it was nationally televised. Like, I watched that one event. It was the craziest fight I've ever seen. It was sure. Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. I still rewatched. I watched that fight, like, last week. It's still crazy to me. And I've watched every UFC card since then. It happens every weekend. And I feel like it's just expanded so much because that was the only sport happening during the pandemic for sure and anything specific in it are you like just the violence of it or what's what's well it was just 25 minutes of pure domination that one fight like no i'm talking about like in terms of the general in general yeah i mean as someone who did martial arts honestly just the knockouts the submissions like there's just so many things that could happen fights can end in the snap of a finger 
And she's like, you never know what's coming. For it, sure. could, it could end any instant. So it's a lot of entertainment involved. It's a lot of entertainment. You always have to be watching. Like there's never a dull moment because at any moment it could just end in a crazy knockout. Sure. And in the business aspect, like you see all of those people that are, you know, there in the crowd. It's like it's it's a big entertainment scene, especially like when they're out in Vegas and all these populous popular right. spaces. And I remember it was crazy though, because in COVID, I remember watching, you know, maybe one fight or whatever, and there was nobody in the crowd, much like every other sport. But it's just like I found it weird that like you know people don't really like. I don't think they cheer a lot in, in, in boxing. You know what I mean? Right. Like how there's like a lot of fans in basketball and there's all this noise, but in boxing it's usually always like pretty quiet until something like actually happens. Right. Fans do get pretty rowdy though at those events. Yeah. I mean, you I know you've been to a couple of I went events. to uh, I went to Bellator, which is like the second biggest promotion after UFC. It was at the Forum. There wasn't I mean, it was almost sellout crowd, but it was People were getting right. I mean, there were fights in the crowds, let alone on the in the ring. <laughs> so <laughs> it was would, just a lot happening. So you would compare it to a basketball game, or I mean, I would think that there was just not enough noise, just watching it on TV. Yeah, I feel like the atmosphere of a basketball game is definitely better, though. For sure. Maybe not a Clipper game, but Lakers. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't deny that the atmosphere of a Clipper game isn't the same. I feel like when For I sure. went to see Clippers Sixers over winter break, there had to have been more Sixers fans than Clippers fans there. Bro, I went to to the MLK game, and the tickets were like two dollars. Yeah, like that's what the, the total I paid. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. But yeah, going back on the on the karate thing, another thing I remember seeing that I just thought was just gnarly when I was little was like I would come to your house on those family gatherings, and like you would show me like the wooden boards that you would like right. break in half, and I thought that was like, how the fuck did he do that? <laughs> like what? What do you mean he broke that in half? Like I don't believe you. Like so. I could attest to seeing how, you know, combat and everything like that is of interest to you because, you know, you were, the, you were the kid that was breaking the wood in half. And, yeah. But, like, did that teach you anything else, like, in terms of, like... I feel like that's only cool when you're a little kid because when you grow up, you realize it's not really that impressive if they're holding it on two sides and putting... Like, if you just hit the middle, it should snap in half. I don't know, bro. I but there know. was always a mental barrier there when I was a kid, right. like, doing that. That's what I'm saying. So, like, yeah, so, like, discipline or any, like, those and that type of thing you you take away from karate or anything like that i just remember it was super fun like the master he was a little strict he didn't like that i like to goof around See? you know you, i mean i always i never really took took anything too seriously yeah i feel like i always find a way to goof around but i mean there was some some sort of discipline i feel like every class you spar at the end for 15 minutes and that requires some discipline because you don't want to get hurt for sure so i feel like that's that's where the discipline comes in when you actually have to fight against someone yeah i mean that rubbed off on me too because i ended up doing karate i think we started at the same time but i think you took it a little bit longer than i did i don't know how your karate dojo was ran but you know i i could definitely attest to having discipline like i don't know if you if you did the same thing like before you walk onto the mat like you have to like bow down yeah yeah and then it's just like that whole like kind of like scene of like how practice started and it's it was just kind of like you know like really like i don't know how to explain like zen i don't know like you, you just yeah. didn't find that in any other like place like whether it be school or any other activity yeah i feel like, like thinking about it now that's very true i just didn't really think much of it then just like walking on bow like okay yeah i do this every time for sure meditation at the beginning and the end that, yeah. yeah like see like i forget i forget those things too but i i definitely like remember like small details of yeah 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 so that's cool i didn't think about it that way see soul talk soul talk anyways obviously you mentioned sneakers is uh, a big interest of yours and i'm curious to know where did that sneaker interest start and come from so i think you know that my interest in sneakers came directly from you See, so it's it's a given. It's a so tape. I remember, this was at like the same sushi restaurant that we always go to for family gatherings. You showed me some human races on on AliExpress. You're like, oh my god, on this Chinese website, they're fifty dollars. Round two is selling them for seven hundred. This really could be something. And I was like, man, you're full of shit. But I mean, that idea may have been stupid. But then later that night, I went to round two round two's instagram page and i started scrolling through and then instantly then like the next days i was watching sneaker youtube all this like learning everything that there is to learn and i mean it really did become a huge passion of mine and it still is it's so dope i didn't even know that story if i'm being honest <laughs> for real so so this is the thing i am 
100% against fakes, but when you're a kid and don't have money, you kind of, you know, it wasn't that like, I didn't respect the sneaker game. It was just like, I didn't have the money. So it was like, if I could buy one for $50 and flex it as if it was real. And it's funny because Sean Weatherspoon, the owner of Round 2, mm-hmm. he said the same thing. When he was a little kid, he would do the same thing. Like, he would right. go on these like fake, fake websites and be like, should I spend the $50? And it was like, I don't know. I really found that interesting. But yeah, like, like you said, you mentioned the shoe that's kind of lost popularity in the few couple of years which is kind of interesting but just holding the whole sneaker scene you were talking about going through like round two sneaker page obviously yeah. sneakers is something i loved it on this podcast but what did you think is like the biggest takeaway from from sneakers with like just i feel like the sneaker community is just like so crazy there's so many ways to express like yourself throughout sneakers like you can wear black t-shirt black pants but and let your shoes do all the talking you can match it with your fit. I feel like there's just so many things you can do with it. There's so many different silhouettes, so much history behind silhouettes. For sure. It's so, just like a crazy thing to me. So what was your first like sneaker? So purchase? the first like big sneaker purchase I made was surprisingly a human race. Really? It was the, it was the holy pack that was like one shoe set of quality, the other, the other set some, something in Hindi. And they were like, they weren't even the real human race. They had like the trail bottoms. It was, I, I gained like a couple inches because of those. But they were black and purple. Purple was my favorite color. And truth of the matter, I spent way too much money on them. Like it was below stock X price, but. Where'd you get them? So I got them on OfferUp, met up with them at Soul Stage, made sure they were real and bought them. And I paid $400 for them. It was a, I was a little embarrassed. I told my parents I paid 300 I, I remember that. Wow. But I did. I $400 for your first pair of sneakers. That's a pretty big purchase. It's a pretty big. Well, I hadn't been reselling at the, like, before that, before I bought my own first oh, shoe. Oh, okay. But what was, like, you you can't say, like, you didn't have, like, at least, like, a liking for sneakers before I showed oh, you. Oh, like, I definitely did. Okay. Well, what was, my, like, your first sneaker? My then? first, like, interest in sneakers sparked from basketball shoes, obviously. Nike basketball. We all had that in our childhood. Kobe 9s. Were my first pair of Kobe's, the laser crimson pair. My dad got them for my birthday. I loved them. I recently rebought that shoe on Goat for a steal, like 160, barely worn. I wear them to play basketball every time I go play. Dope. Then I had the purple Kobe 11s. Those were probably fake. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> my dad bought them for me, but I I'm pretty sure they were fake. I was gonna ask was the first one was fake. <laughs> were the Kobe 9s fake? I hope not. <laughs> I, do. I mean, that's. I'm gonna ask. Yeah. I'm gonna ask. He better tell me the truth. But I, I also remember getting a Foot Locker gift card, and I wanted to buy the KD7 Aunt Pearls. I thought mm-hmm. that shoe was so dope, and that's when I realized shoes sell out. Because you went to the store. I drove like 30 minutes to a Foot Locker, and I'm like, Where the fuck? Are where, where, where are these Aunt Pearls? They're like, Man, we've been sold out. I was like. That is disappointing. On release day, or it was it was after release? I day? think it was after release. See, day. so that was the, I didn't even know that was the mistake I made on my because I just thought you could walk into a store and just find the shoe you were looking right. for. Right, that's how I learned. I mean, I did end up getting a KD seven, the the Black History Month ones. They were like checkerboard. Oh. I loved those too. I wore those for a couple years. I there were some nice shoes. I love the KD seven. Dope. That's my favorite non Kobe basketball shoe for sure. So I actually remember those Kobe 9s you wore because when I would come to, again to those family gatherings, that's when we would hoop in. And like, when I think of you, I think of that shoe. That's how, like, just, just the colorway of that shoe specifically, like, I just like coincide with, with you. And I think that's crazy because. Yeah. And you remember even before Kobe passed, I was texting. I was like, if you ever come across the laser crimsons in my size for a good price, please let me know. Yeah. And then. After Kobe passed, everything shot up. But I was still checking every day on Goat. Like, can I get a, a decent price for these? What sneakerheads will, will do for shoes. Finally happened. Finally happened. Crazy. But, I mean, like, I have to give it up to, like, Nike basketball and, and that whole time. Because if I didn't grow up in, in, in that era, I feel like things would be a lot different. Cause the influence of Nike basketball was crazy. Like, people, wearing were, people were wearing LeBron's, like, just, like, on the street. And you never see that now. For sure. And, you know, I wish it was the same now, but I mean, I guess everything has its waves. So, you know, maybe one day it will come back. But, uh, yeah, that was definitely a crazy time. So, 
Wait, wait, wait. I remember those times when we went to Marshalls and found KDs and we'd wear those to school every day. It was so interesting to me, bro. Like, the thing with Nike basketball was that, yes, like, people were wearing it, like, casually. But as soon as, like, Kobe 10s came out, after the 9s came out, you would find them at discount stores, like, Kobe 11 specifically, because I feel like people were intimidated to wear that shoe. The only reason they would get to those discount stores, I feel like, is because when you saw them in your Foot Locker and you saw that, like, $175 price tag and, like, you saw this beautiful shoe, I feel like a lot of people just couldn't rock it. Like, you saw, right. like, purple, the all the gray colors they matched. I just don't think it, it was an everyday type of shoe. And then I guess that's kind of, like, what led it to fall off. I don't know if you... Yeah, if that's the way. I mean, also the fact that they're they're just not putting out good shoes anymore. That's also. I feel like I don't remember the last good Nike basketball shoe I've seen. I feel like even I feel like Jordan basketball shoes are better than Nike now. Like the Zion's, the Jordan thirty sixes. They don't get no love though. I love the thirty sixes. I was actually looking at a pair today. Yeah. They are. I actually am not against that shoe. Like I, I actually. Yeah, Tatum rocks them every game. They look sick. For sure. Luca too. I mean, now he has his own shoe coming out. Yeah, but he had a PE with them too. Yeah. Anyways, too much sneaker talk, but... Never too much sneaker talk. Yeah, se- secondary market, right? So where did your understanding for the secondary market come from? Obviously, you wanted your own shoes and then... So my knowledge of the secondary market didn't actually come from shoes per se. I remember in eighth grade, I had a classmate who was flexing his Supreme. He was like, oh, okay, man... This thing sold out in three seconds. I had to pay resale for it. I was like, why are you paying more than retail price for your clothes? That makes no sense to me. And obviously, that was at the same time that you showed me the human races. And then it all like merged together. And I finally got an understanding of it all. And I feel bad for like people who like aren't into sneakers now just because everything is kind of like not dead but like saturated yeah. everything's overproduced there's no like want for these shoes anymore bro i i walked into a footlocker yesterday and they had like a pair of lebron nines like i guess it's a retro but they look absolutely horrible it's like the big what? bangs no they no. just re-released those i keep seeing yeah them like why like why? it just doesn't make any sense to me like what stand like what nike basketball is doing so yeah but like like what the hell are LeBron nines doing? Like they're on the LeBron like nineteen at this point. What's the point of going back? Like I just don't get it. Yeah. So for me though, freshman year was where I like StockX had really been pushing mm-hmm. their marketing and stuff like that. So when did you get to know like the secondary market platforms such as StockX and Goat, and then ultimately start you know putting your shoes on there? I think ninth grade as well. Do you remember the first shoe you sold on StockX? It was definitely one of those Kobe's. So for me, it was also this. It always comes back to the Pharrell Human Race. Interesting. So I re- they they released a pack of four of them. There was mm-hmm. like the peach color, the turquoise, and then like the multicolor ones. Mm-hmm. And there was one other one. So I ended up buying a pair of like the peach colorway on Adidas, yeah. and I flipped them for maybe like 150 bucks more. And then shortly after that, the Foot Locker raffle era had hit. No. Where you get, where you spend three hundred dollars to get a platinum account, you get your ten minute head start, you win your raffle, you go in the store, Good you make man. a new account, you get a new platinum account, and all of a sudden you have ten platinum accounts and you're winning all ten raffles at the Foot Locker, and you got to change the name, got to walk in with a stranger to pick up your shoes. It's a crazy time when in store releases were actually happening. You know why it got a lot rougher, right? Trying to cut down on the resellers. Well, yeah, that, but there was a big incident that happened a year ago where a Nike executive, she supplied her son mm-hmm. with limited edition sneakers. And it was like, people speculate that to be why, you know, there wasn't so much stock on Nike sneakers or like, you know, people, just people weren't winning in general, whether it be raffle at your local boutique or whatever. It's because he was, you know, basically taking it from Nike and then listing them on secondary platforms or selling it wherever he he sold it, but like it was a really big case that happened recently. So, I think that started uh, a lot of the like restrictions around, you know, the, the third parties like Foot Locker and, and just stuff like that. Just the whole system. Yeah. So what, what is it? What is it even called now? Like, how does it work again? Like you. Uh, like, you F- get, it's like, called FLX. FLX. Oh, yeah. I hate that shit so bad. <laughs> it ruined it. It ruined the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I I could just say the sneaker culture is kind of weird at the moment like it's just the releases don't make sense yeah, back to like 10 years ago where like a jordan 4 could come out and still sit on the shelves 100 percent. we're actually sitting today after, after a jordan release happened doesn't seem like they're performing too well in the secondary market obviously 
everything with the economy also doesn't doesn't help that too much but people yeah. always have money for shoes you know it's funny right because that's like one of the assets that i or you know if you consider it an asset i consider it an asset that's like holding up to some degree right whereas you see you know a lot of things are falling during this time my crypto my poor poor crypto <laughs> i am so broke you're in the you're in the boat with uh with a lot of other people oh yeah i know <laughs> we're in it together diamond hands diamond hands <laughs> diamond hands. <laughs> not gonna be diamond soon i feel like if it keeps going the way it's going so funny diamond hands i love that term <laughs> anyways like sneakers, I feel like you being able to benefit from your understanding. I know a hobby of yours is a sports betting. Oh, sports <laughs> where did that betting. interest come from? Oh boy, I feel like I saw some like sort of promotion, like free fifty dollars when you register. You didn't think it was a cash grab? You were just I was just in it. I was there, and I it was working. Like when I started my UFC parlays, my UFC parlays were doing good. And then I got to college and just like. You're surrounded by a whole lot of degenerates, everyone's sports betting. But I feel like there was always something that differed with me in sports betting and everybody else in sports betting, that I was actually good at it. <laughs> I'm, I was the only one like consistently coming with some sort of win. And everyone else was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down a thousand this week. I was like, what Jesus are you doing? Christ. Like, actually, how could you be that bad? So, I mean, I... I'm not really doing it as much anymore, but I put some money on the games. Did you even watch the games in school, or are you just... Oh, like, yeah, no, no, no. If I'm betting on it, I'm going to watch yeah. it. I'm not, like, betting on, like, women's European basketball and then just seeing whether my bet hit or not. No, like, if I'm betting on a game, I'm going to watch it. Like, even if it's, like, hockey, which I rarely did, I would still watch the game. I feel like it's just more interesting that way. You get a little adrenaline boost when you're watching the sports. It makes it more fun. For sure. Like you said, there's a lot of... You're not the only one. Like, a lot of people do it in, in your school, right? So Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of scary, too, if if you will, because you know you just said a lot of people losing money would right, but I never bet more than I'm comfortable losing. For sure, that's that's why like I I stay disciplined in that aspect for yeah. sure. I mean, we've talked about what do you think about like the terminology behind like you know, obviously the bets you make are I I think parlays, not like you know straight bets parlays. I mean, I you do you do everything? Yeah, I I dabble in everything. Sometimes oh. I, what you realize straight bets are definitely the, smarter. Yeah. Parlays is how you lose your money. Interesting. But parlays is also how you, how you are able to make a lot, right? It's a swift hit or miss, really. So what comes down to your understanding of, of what is a good bet or what is not a good bet? So when I look at the book, I'm not looking for my own personal bias. I'm looking for value in bets. Like, I'm looking at the spread, I'm looking at the odds, like, what actually has better value, what makes sense. Okay. And that's that's really what it comes down to, I feel like. So, do you have one of those big hit stories, or? Yeah, so, when I say I was looking for value, the Rams in December went on a three-game losing streak. It was uh, very out of character for them, and I was thinking, like, these guys still have a huge shot to win the Super Bowl. Like, okay. I really think that they could contend. Mm-hmm. They have all the pieces. They have Aaron Donald. They have Ramsey. Offense, they have Cooper Cup, who's having one of the best receiving seasons of all time. So I put 40 bucks on them to win the Super Bowl in December at plus 1,500 odds. That same weekend, I also had like a 10-leg parlay. It was like six NBA games, three UFC fights, and then Rams money line to win another couple hundred bucks. So... And then after that, I put another 150 on the Rams to win the Super Bowl. So in total, when they won that game, I pocketed about $1,000. Jesus, man. And I was saying it like beginning of the game. If the Rams win, I'm going to New York. If the Rams lose, I'm just going to be very sad. (laughs) So I was not having it. I was so stressed. I even live bet during the game when we were down a bit because I still believe. So Rams win the Super Bowl. I go to New York for spring break. I've been talking about going to New York for so long. So that bet, winning, basically gave you a trip to New York? Gave me my trip to New York, which I've been talking about for like 10 years now. That's Uh, actually something we got to talk about. Yeah, so why did you always want to go to New York? What was the motive behind that? Well, growing up in LA, the only other city that's even like compared to at the same level as Los Angeles is New York City, obviously. It's the most populated city in the country. It's like double the population of LA. I always hear about it as like, super hectic like everyone's always wants to get somewhere and i feel like that's more my vibe than like la which is super relaxed super chill everyone's like not in a rush 
So I felt like I like belonged in New York, or I just wanted to see it for myself, based on the things I've been hearing. So spring break, I went for the first time, and within 30 minutes, it was it was 7:30 a.m. weekday in Times Square, and it was there was still so many people there. And after 30 minutes of just walking around, I was like, "All right, I'm ready to move. Like I, really? I want to live here." That was just that was my instant thought when I when I got there. I mean, they call it the city that doesn't sleep. So. Definitely does not sleep. Are you a person that doesn't sleep either? I love my sleep. I sleep a lot. Okay. So I get my my hours. But okay, but what are like the civics and like do you like the landscape? Like you know, obviously there's a bunch of sayings, but one of them is is the, it's like it's the concrete jungle. Or right. Things. I mean, I I've, I've always been like a fan of architecture, and I feel like there's just so many tall buildings, so many interesting buildings that you're walking around. Like you look up, and it's just it's really crazy. Like you don't yeah. see it here. I mean, you know, I I can definitely attest to that too. Obviously, New York, and I can say it's a, it's it's a good looking city for sure. But I mean, I can't. With the, it's just like too much going on. Like it's too hectic for me. Too um, hectic. Yeah. I remember on the, I was on the subway one time. And I turned around like I was looking to see what stop we had to get off at. Mm-hmm. I turned around. There's like a homeless lady peeing on the floor. Oh of the subway. god, bro. <laughs> and I was, it, was, it was crazy. Jesus. But. Okay. But yeah, it was, I mean, so many characters, like you said, I feel like I had a lot of interesting interactions, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, what's the, what are the places you went out there? So, I think we walked throughout the entire city of Manhattan. Every day we were walking 15 miles. You just didn't want to pay for the Uber? Or... No, I just, it's a walking city. <laughs> oh, you city. just wanted to walk. It's a walking city, like you could subway, like you could go underground, but why do that when you can just see everything, really? Mm-hmm. And one day we went to Brooklyn, we crossed the bridge on foot. Wow. Went to the Nets game, came back next day. Across the bridge? That's a nice walk. It's a two-mile walk across the bridge, and then another like mile or two. Well, it depends how close you are to the bridge. The bridge well, is just one, one aspect. Of you the... get to the, yeah, that day we probably walked 20 miles. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> I mean. It was nice, though. You it was nice. I, I mean, I enjoy walking, and it wasn't, there was not a dull moment. I feel like every no. step of the way, there was something interesting to see. I mean, one thing is definitely cool about New York is that it incorporates like a lot. Like you got body of water, you got all the yeah. all the buildings, like everything basically. Yeah, and then the next day, I went to Madison Square Garden for the first time. That's something I was super excited to see. I've always wanted to see that arena. It it is so ugly, like really? from the outside. From the outside, I saw the Madison Square Garden, and like it was pointed out to me, I was like. No, that's not. Yeah, that's not lo- the garden. It, it looks pretty small. That's right? not the garden. There's no way. Like I thought it was just some some sick joke. But then you think about New York, mm-hmm. and it's just like, where's their space? For yeah, the where's their stadium? Exactly. There's yeah. no houses in New York. It's all just like crazy skyscrapers. So I was like super amazed to see that's what the Madison Square Garden was. I was pretty disappointed almost. Then you go inside the arena, and it's insane. I mean, the atmosphere there was like no other. It was against the Hawks rivalry game. Well, talk about the um, Brooklyn game first. Brooklyn game first. Brooklyn versus Jazz. It was similar to what I'd say is a Clippers atmosphere. There's absolutely no Brook fans in Brooklyn. Really? Just nobody. I, I mean, mean, who was playing that game? I mean, everybody, KD. I mean, Kyrie was still not playing because of the mandate, but KD had probably 37 points. He had a good game, but I, I don't like KD. Really? Like, even seeing him up close, I was, ugh. Interesting. I don't know. He was, like, going up the court, and he was, like, yelling at his team. He was, like, get him out of my way. I was really? like, what a what an yeah. ass! It's crazy because like w- whether you like him or not, like you definitely got to say he's one of the top players in the league. He's right? one of the top players. So, so and, and like seeing him seeing play him in play, first, yeah. yeah, like he's one of the players I haven't seen. Like there's still I still have to see Curry and Giannis play. Yeah, but there's the bucket list for sure. There's a bucket list, yeah. But that trip I saw Trey Young and I saw Kevin Durant play. So that you was, saw Trey Young when he did Knicks, like or yeah. no, that wasn't the playoffs when he did like all the. Ass whooping, right? Or did, I mean, the did game I went there? to the next day was Knicks Hawks, and he did quite the ass whooping that day too. He had probably he had over forty. I'm pretty sure. He had, yeah, he had, almost, he had forty-eight. I think he almost had fifty. Absolutely silenced the crowd. Broke Taj Gibson's ankles. It was pretty amazing to see. For sure. Anything else you want to say about New York before I go on to the next time? It's a great city. I have to go back. So living there, you want to live there too. I mean, if an opportunity to have an internship in New York prevails, I will most definitely hop on it. And then, I mean, if I get a job there, I'm, I'm not going to be opposed to living there anytime. I mean, you just got to compromise that one aspect, the living the living part, because you probably live in 
you know. I, I'll live uh, in a little shoebox if yeah. I have to. It's just, I mean, rent there is comparable to here. It's super I think it's expensive. a lot more, yeah. It's like a lot more by the square foot, yeah. Cause yeah. It's, and yeah. a lot less space, right? A lot less space for a lot more people. Yeah. So, anyways, we were talking about basketball. You just mentioned Trey Young. So, that kind of got me thinking about your favorite player and that of Luca. Yep. Dantas, right? So, yes, where did that love for, for Luca come from? So, I remember seeing him play when he was still playing in Spain on Real Madrid. I remember. What? What, what do you mean? You were, you were really. You were that hardcore fan that was watching. I wasn't game. a hardcore fan, but I've heard of him and I've seen him play when he was still in Spain. I remember when he played in the preseason against a prime Westbrook. He was on the court when he was like 17 years old. I was just about to mention, there's a crazy picture of, of, of what he looks like. Yeah, Westbrook. he was super young. And then Luka got drafted to the Mavs. It was around the same time LeBron just came to the Lakers. And Luka got drafted. I was like, this is my guy now. Like, I'm, I'm following this guy's career path. Like, he's going to be one of the greats. So it was a pretty easy transition for me after LeBron came. I needed a new team. Or like, Luca's Luca's that guy. Props since you kind of followed that. I feel like a lot of people with Luca kind of jumped on that bandwagon, if you will. But like, you kind of jumped on that bandwagon too in terms of being a Mavericks fan now, right? Or was right, that more right? I mean, I just I just needed a new team. Like I said, I didn't I didn't want to be part of the Lakers franchise. Not that they care about me, but. <laughs> I just didn't want to be part of that anymore. I needed a new team. For sure. And obviously, Luca's super easy to follow. So what's what's your favorite aspect of his game? I just, I mean, he scores like no other. He sets up his, he makes his teammates so much better. And it's crazy, like, how slow he is, but still can just manipulate any defender. Because I'm not the fastest guy on the court either. I feel like the way he moves is, like, slow, but also he knows exactly what he's doing. He plays at his own pace and, like, Everyone has to play on his terms, not the other way around. It's, it's really crazy. To me. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say, because I, I haven't seen him play in person, but I know you have. So what is that like seeing him in person? So I've seen him play in person, and I've seen the highest evolution of Luka Doncic, playoff Luka. I went to games 1, 2, and 7 of the... Dallas Clippers series. Devoted fan. Devoted fan. I mean, I'm in LA. I'm going to go to the games. And I saw him drop 46 points and 14 assists in game seven and still come up short because of Porzingis, who did absolutely nothing that game. Yeah. But seeing, seeing Luca in that playoff form is crazy because when playoffs come around, there's no one stopping him. Yeah. I like how you mentioned, like, obviously, the, I think the biggest part of his game is the ability of just being able to play at his pace and it's crazy thinking because he's not like crazy athletic either right Right. i mean he can throw down a dunk or two a season and i mean so like you say you can compare that to yourself right like you like to i mean i'm not fast at all i mean i like my my euro steps i like my step backs i mean i'm not gonna say i play like him but it's i I just like the way he plays so when are mavericks gonna get that that you think Okay, we made the conference finals this year. You did with... not think they were going to get past the Warriors, did you? No, I didn't. Okay. But I did I did bet on them to beat the Suns. Oh, I made really? Them. Yeah, so my plan was... That's a, that was a risky bet. Yeah, so I was either going to go with my friends to San Francisco for Warriors-Grizzlies, because obviously there's a lot of people at my school who live in the Bay, so I'd get a ride with them, stay at their house, whatever. So I was like, do I go to Warriors-Grizzlies game one or two, or... Do I bet on the Mavericks to beat the Suns and then use the profits to go to the conference finals? So this ain't the this ain't the second time you trying to find ways of of money to. Well, I just figured the upside of me going to Mavericks Warriors is way higher than the upside of me going to Warriors Grizzlies because I'd be seeing my team play. And then, Man, I mean, Warriors Grizzlies was a good series too. You, you yeah, but, that I, but I I was thinking I was thinking so far ahead. I'm thinking Booker can't show up. Chris Paul can't show up. Luca's uh, got this on lock. Oh no! So I, I put I put my hundred fifty dollars. I won four hundred. I want to say, and I was gonna go to the conference finals, but it didn't end up working out with all the scheduling. Since it was, you, it was around finals, and I I just couldn't miss. Since this is a podcast, you have any advice for people who want to bet at your own risk? Just Whoa. don't be stupid. Only bet what you're comfortable losing. Because I was gonna pay two hundred dollars for those tickets. And obviously that'd be two hundred dollars out of my bank account. Or you put your hundred fifty for something with more upside. I feel like 
I never bet more than I'm comfortable losing. So if I lose, I'm never really that bummed out. You know, I know I'm taking the risk. So is that how you structure your kind of bets, if you will, to gain some kind of like... Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm losing, I'm not going to like continue betting so I can win back my losing. Because that's right. how people lose more. I'm not going to... 100%. I'm, but I'm some people that... just get addicted that, you know... Right. They I mean, kind... I'm just one that doesn't have an addictive personality. I think that definitely benefits me in a lot of things uh, I do. For sure, because I, I can test to have an you know, addictive personality, and that's why I don't gamble. So. Right, yeah, that's good. It's good that you're self-aware. For sure. So, anything else you want to say about gambling, sports? No, I or try not to. I try not to. I mean, go Celtics for, for that. Absolutely sake. not. But, no, I, I try to stay away from it now, but if I see something I like, I'm going to bet on it. For sure. Then, you know, you mentioned music. Speaking of favorite people, I know Travis Scott is your guy, if you will. He know. was my guy. I mean... Really? You a change of heart? I feel like I've had more time to listen to music. And, I mean, Travis Scott, he's not like an artist. He's, he's a rapper. Mm, I, I actually think the other way around. You think the other way around? Yeah, I don't think he's a rapper. I think he's an artist. I feel like artists... You, you're like creating music, but you're also creating so much outside of that. I feel like, well, definitely now my favorite artist by far is Kanye. Just because I think, I mean, he's a good rapper, but his production is absolutely insane. Like his production is like no other thing I've seen. And it's it's what makes all of his music. I mean, it's all of his own stuff. When you were, I guess, like, I, I'm sure you still like Travis Scott. Yeah, maybe not I, mean, to, I listen to him. Having that, like, you know, sneaker side, being able to, like, collaborate with all these different brands. You know, he has a Nike deal. I know you're a huge fan of how that all, how that all started. And, oh, you know, I'm even a huge now. fan of it. So what do, you, what do you think about just, like, the ability of, like, you know, rappers being able to have their own shoes, like Kanye having, you know, his easy line, and then maybe Travis Scott, like, you know, yeah, Jordan, I think it's absolutely awesome that rappers can get their own shoes because obviously you see a lot of people rocking like rappers merch like t-shirts and sweats but I feel like shoes is like taking it to a whole new level which is I mean great for the community it expands the horizons of that but also it's just really cool for sure like I know I got my Travis 4s on release day and I still have them they're absolutely beat up like the soles are all yellowed at the bottom but I love those shoes and I love all the collabs that Travis Scott and Nike have done for sure and it's safe to say probably when Lucas first shoe comes out you probably buy them too or I will buy it I don't love it but I will buy it <laughs> I'll play them I'll make I'll put them to good use I'm sure, sure they're a good shoe you're not gonna wear them outside though like not no any. definitely <laughs> they're not that nice yeah <laughs> yeah anyways is there anything else you'd like to mention or talk about that nothing comes to mind what, you, what else would you okay well where does that interest for business come from does it come from i'm sure it comes from sneakers but like you sneakers know. i mean i mean i guess it comes from being a first generation immigrant that's what i because like my parents came here for me to be successful and i feel like me not amounting to anything would be disappointing them well right? i mean that doesn't have to be in business necessarily it doesn't even. have to be in business but i feel like having money for yourself and like well i just think business is just like it's so money oriented and if you want a lot of money, go into business. That's how I see it. I mean, well, everything, everything is business. Yeah. So, so okay, because yeah, here's how I see it. If you're a doctor, you have a salary. If you're in business, there's no, there's never a limit. You know, but yeah, what you just said before that, one of my lines is like business is life. It's just like you just understand how to connect dots, basically. Exactly. But it's like the problem with being in business is that like if you're, if that's your skill set is to be a business person, you don't really have a skill set like you know being whether it's a doctor or you know that sort of things right where somebody yeah. has like an actual skill to do their job you're kind of but like you know i can't not defend myself here because i'm that type of person right where it's like i kind of like to connect dots and, and stuff like that so i know that wasn't always the case for you though i feel like you didn't I, always want to be in business I right did want to be a doctor okay and that and then I realized I don't want to be in school till I'm 40 because I don't actually like school all that much. Okay, fair, fair enough. That's where that came from. Yeah. Structure, I know you talked about how, or we talked about school being, you know, what it is. Like, you know, you, not a lot of great teachers, but, you, you know, you find some good teachers. Whether it's learning, like, what, what excites you, if anything, about school or what would you change about the system that we have now? I feel like the stuff you learn in school doesn't actually benefit you all that much. I mean, right, like you're at school full time and you're saying that well, what's what's like the biggest benefit out of... Out I mean, of college now, 
I thought it was completely useless until this last spring quarter where I took financial accounting. Oh, okay. And that's when it got interesting. Like, I was actually, like, paying attention in class. Like, I was learning it. And I feel like the homework, I was genuinely enjoying because there's just something satisfying about crunching the numbers. Like, I feel like I'm a numbers guy a little bit. Uh-oh, accounting coming in? Or? Accounting coming in, and I'm, like, crunching the numbers for homework, and it all comes together, it all balances, and I'm just sitting there like, yeah, this is sick. I mean, that's your family background, though. Like, um, accounting? My, my, yeah, I mean, my grandma, my mom. Yeah, I guess. So, going off of that, is there any goals or, like, future type of standings you want to hold yourself accountable to? Anything like I that? I just want to make sure my parents are set. I want them to retire earlier than they'd like to. Okay. And for them to travel to all the places they haven't been able to travel to. Okay. And I feel like my parents immigrated here for me to be successful. And me not being successful is... I mean, that's just the standard they hold me to, and now I hold myself to that standard because I don't want to make the make it seem like they moved here for nothing, you know. Yeah. I'm I sure. mean, obviously, a better life for themselves, but also for for their kids. So that's just the standard I hold myself to in terms of that. For sure, I feel like a lot of people do too. But I mean, yeah, know, survival of the fittest. So that's that mama mentality. Yes, sir. But I'm sure you know they love to hear that too. So, anyways, I think that's all for the, for this episode. Unless you have anything. To add. No, thank for episode fourteen. Thank David you for Elton. having me. That was a great episode. Soul talk. Peace.